Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. You know, the pursuit of power is an incredible uh, pursuit that we have here as a church. But it is also important to recognize the times where we don't feel the, the excitement or we don't feel the empowerment because the situations in our life tend to say something else. But to continue to believe in the truth of what God has said. To continue to go back to His Word and to His truth, even in and especially in the times of contradiction. It's in doing that that it really is the mark of a mature believer. It's the mark of somebody who knows that even though the the situations may seem to point us to doubt and to fear and to anxiety, that we have a God that is greater, that is more than enough. A God that is our provider, that is our healer, that is the only one that we are to turn to in our time of need. This past week, as we were at the pastor's conference, I really felt God's hand all over what he was doing there in in so many ways. And there were so many divine connections and appointments that were made. There were so many things that went beyond just hearing a message or hearing some advice. It wasn't about how to grow a church. It wasn't about how to to have the perfect worship service. It wasn't about all the details. When it really came down to it, it was about us. It was about us and our reliance and our dependence on Jesus. And in some of those meetings, there were these times of impartation where I truly know that God was doing something in those moments for those of us who were there that was not meant to simply stay there in California, but was meant to come back. That was meant to be invested here in the body of Christ here in New York, here at Faith Assembly. There was something that he was doing and something that he was saying. And and if you were to really just look at the overall overarching theme of the week, I really think that it could have come down to our intimate time with God. The the life of prayer that we are called to have as believers. The ability to take that time in our daily lives and to give it to God to allow Him to speak into who we are. To understand that things happen when we pray, that, that there is an element of our lives that is physical and there is obedience here on earth, but it is all preceded by our understanding of who He is and our ability to connect with Him in prayer. And so when we got back, and not to say this isn't something that normally happens, but I went straight to the prayer closet, if you will. My prayer closet, however, is my garage. It's a little cold at 5 o'clock in the morning. It's a little dark. There's a lot of things to bump into. I'm working on it. I'm going to have to clean it out a little bit more. But while I was in prayer yesterday morning, I felt like God spoke something very specific to me. And I wasn't sure if it was something that was going to be for the entirety of the church or just for me. But when I woke up this morning, I knew that it was something that I needed to share. So I just want to ask if you would just listen along with me as I just read this word. And I want you to listen, not with ears that that hear out of a place of feeling condemnation or guilt or shame but that we would understand that there is an invitation that is being given to us by our Father. The two words when I was praying that I began to hear were fragmented hearing. Fragmented hearing. And the words I heard were this, My body has become too familiar 
with hearing in part and hearing in vain. Hearing that is a byproduct of fractured dreams, of partial hope, and trust in emotion. But in this time, I want to raise up an army of Daniels who would see and hear truth that would flow from the heavenlies. I want a church who would contend in battle, who would not give up when they don't see the response, who do not fill in the blanks with their own desire, but a body who waits on the Lord. I am wanting to raise Joshua's who would go forward with clear strategies out of a place of boldness and courage. I want to raise up Ezekiel's who would speak truth and call out what is to come. I want to raise up Noah's who would say, the time has come. The time of sitting on the fence is gone. The time of uncertainty is a thing of the past. That there is a decision to be made and it's time to go all in. I want to raise up Sarah's who would birth the promise that has been long awaited and even questioned at times in the hearts of men, but has always been certain in the heart of God. I want to raise up those who, like Moses, would lead my people out of a culture that pursues more and more self when I have called them to be a selfless body, who in the denial of themselves would find who I am calling them to be. I am calling my church to recognize that they are Esther's, that they are appointed for this time. I am calling out and I am asking my children to turn their hearts and their spiritual ears towards me today. Today is the day in which there will be a shift from a feeble body into a faithful servant, from orphanhood to sonship, and into a place of expectant hope and worship for what their God will do. See, these words, partial truth, Fragmented hearing, fragmented dreams, these words really began to stick out to me as I was in that time of prayer and also in the time of preparation for this morning. You see, there are times in our lives where we do absolutely 100% know the truth of what God has said. That we stand on His Word, that we read and invest in His promises, but yet there are also times where we take this truth And we combine it with our own understanding, with our own experiences, with our own emotions. And what comes out of that combination is not the pure word of God, but it is a fractured and a partial truth. It is a partial truth that that leads us to a place of speaking the word of God and, and believing in part, but also holding on to the places of fear and anxiety that would come along with our own understanding. That would come from a place of of truly believing that if it is coming true, if it's going to come to pass, that it's reliant on me and my ability. And for far too long, the church as a whole, the body of Christ, has walked in a fragmented understanding of what God has said. For far too long, the church has preached one message and then lived something else out. For far too long, the church has preached hope, but then walked in self-reliance. For far too long, the church has talked about and believed in forgiveness, but yet has held on to this level of condemnation and shame and guilt. Because we have partially accepted the truth of God, 
But in the places where it hasn't made sense, in the places where we haven't fully understood, we have gone back and we have begun to fill in the blanks with what we believe to be true instead of what he has said and promised to be true. Fragmented hearing. Hearing that has been affected by the emotions and the pain of the past. You know, I took these words, fragmented believing, fragmented hearing, and I, I actually put it into, uh, into Google, just because sometimes Google can be a useful tool, even in spiritual things. And what I found was diagnoses of, of schizophrenia. What I found was diagnosis that would point to mental disorders. And then I also found this, this phrase that I thought was very interesting called fuzzy logic. I don't know if you've ever heard of fuzzy logic before. I hadn't. Apparently it was developed in the 1960s and it had been going on before then. And, and I'm sure that in the case of mathematics, that it has some value. But when I read the definition, I can't help but think that there have been many cases in our own lives where we have used fuzzy logic. Fuzzy logic is based on the idea that in many cases, the concept of true or false is too restrictive and that there are many shades of gray in between. It allows for partial truths where a statement can be partially true or false rather than fully true or false. Fuzzy logic that says the truth is too restrictive. That the truth does not bend enough, it doesn't shift enough, it doesn't flex enough for us in the situations that don't make sense. Fuzzy logic that will take a certain truth and apply only a part of it because only a part of it seems to make sense, but also disregarding the rest that doesn't seem to feel very good. Who would agree with me here this morning that it would appear that our nation has a a master's degree in fuzzy logic? That partial truth is the truth that rules and reigns in our culture, in our places of government, in the places that would dictate what is right and what is wrong, that we have walked in accordance with a fuzzy logic. Can I tell you once again, fuzzy logic may have some application. I don't know what it is, but I have to tell you that fuzzy logic can have no place in the church. That fuzzy logic can have no place. I'm not saying that we have to have it all figured out. If anyone has been a Christian for any length of time, we know that there are times where we fully don't understand what is going on and what God has said and how it's possible. Can I tell you that there are times where questioning is not something from the enemy, but it is something that can be used to develop and to deepen our faith. It isn't to say that we can't ever have a doubt in our heart. This isn't condemnation, but it is to say that we do have the ability to go back to the truth of what God has said. And when we don't understand, instead of going back to our own emotions, to our own feelings, to our own past, to the things that others have said to be true, that we do have the ability instead to go to the word of God, to remove fuzzy logic to remove places where the truth seems to be too restrictive and to say, I'm either going to believe what God has said or I'm not. 
I'm either going to believe the truth of what he has promised to me, or I'm going to rely on my own emotions, my own understanding, and the things that give me the ability to fall asleep at night when I feel distraught, or like I don't have a clear direction. We can't afford to have fuzzy logic in our lives. I don't know if any of you have ever had a loved one who has dealt with Alzheimer's or or any kind of uh, disease where the mind is being attacked. But I thought back when I was thinking about this fragmented thinking to one of the persons who I really have to credit a lot of my spiritual upbringing to. It was my grandmother. My grandmother was a beautiful woman, an amazing woman, a woman who walked in the love and the power of God. And, and really, if you knew her, you loved her, but you more importantly felt loved by her. But as she got to the end of her life and she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, we started to recognize that there were some gaps in what she was thinking. There were some places where, where before she knew very well how to cook my favorite meals, that there started to be some gaps in it. She was a really good cook, though, so she figured a way to overcome. But there were moments where she would be telling us stories, and, and we'd ask her a question, and she would start to tell this story, and she would get to a point where you realize that there was a disconnect, where we realized that there was a gap in what she could remember. And what started to happen is that instead of saying, I don't know, her mind would start to fill it with information. Her mind would start to fill in the gaps with things that seemed to be true to her or at least seemed plausible. So she would tell us a story that was based out of something in Poughkeepsie, New York. And by the time the story ended, she was back in Long Island in her father's drugstore. She would tell us stories about uh, what I was doing today. And it would go back to a time in her childhood that didn't really seem to make any sense. It didn't add up because what she was doing was she was filling in the blanks with what she did not know, with what seemed to be plausible, with what seemed to make sense in that moment. When we as Christians are walking in fragmented thinking, in partial truths, what happens so often is that in the places that we don't understand, in the places where we don't have an answer in that moment, what we do is we fill it in with something else, a partial truth, a partial understanding. You see, in this walk with God, there are once again going to be times where we simply don't know. Where all we can do is the best that we know to do. That all we can say is the best of what God has said to us in the past. But I want to tell you, church, that there is another option. That instead of filling in the blanks with partial truths, that God in those moments is calling us deeper. That in those moments of uncertainty, in those moments where we don't understand, that we do have the Word of God to go back to. That we do have the ability to build a relationship with a God who loves us enough that He doesn't leave us on our own, but desires to speak to us. Do you know God speaks to you today, church? Do you know that God speaks to you through His Holy Spirit? Do you know that God did not stop speaking when the final word was penned in this Bible? That when we know with certainty that we have been bought with a price, that when Jesus left this earth, this is some of what we're going to be talking today here in the second service about what it means to go into the baptismal tank. 
to leave behind the old life, to come out with the new life of Christ and to be anointed and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what we believe and know to be true, church, that he is still speaking. We're going to take some time in the coming weeks to talk about what this means because sometimes we feel like we need to hear the audible voice of God that would speak from the heavens and shake our rooms and, and that we could hear him clearly. But, but there are times where he speaks in that still small voice. There are times where he uses our discernment and he uses our internal capacity to be able to connect with his spirit to speak to us. There are times where he speaks to us in dreams. There are times where he speaks to us through song and through verse and through scripture. There are times that God speaks to us in ways that we wouldn't understand or or, or we wouldn't recognize rather. But it's so important for us to understand that he is speaking. That he has not stopped speaking to us. But what happens so often in our lives is that the fragmentation in our thinking is as a result, not just of the pain of the past, not just as a place of of not being able to remember or to understand, but out of a place of distraction, out of a place where we as men and women in 2023 living on this earth have so much distraction that is constantly being thrown at us on a regular basis. Where never before in human history has there been the amount of distraction that there is today. That never before have we had devices like this that could endlessly waste our minutes and our hours and our days. There's always been bad news that's been available. There's always been bad news that has been given around that have been talked about, I'm sure, even before the television and the radio that the town squire could come out and give you bad news to distract you. But now it is available at a, at a, at a fingertip, at, at a moment's notice. And so often we look to these things to be our truth and we go first to this source of information instead of going to this source of information. That far too often, instead of waking up and the first thing that we're doing is, is going to the Word and, and spending time with God, we're checking our latest Instagram, Twitter, Facebook notifications, our emails. And then we wonder why we're anxious and fearful and overwhelmed before we even start the day. We wonder why at times we walk in fragmented and partial truths instead of first and foremost going to the truth of the Word of God, what He has said. I want to look at two stories here today. The first is going to be found in the book of Luke. And because I didn't give the team my scriptures here today, I'm going to count on you guys having a Bible. And if not having a Bible, then pulling out this distraction I was just talking about. Perhaps, though, you want to skip Instagram and go straight to the Bible app. Part of this message will be available on Instagram sometime this week, too. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. A story, even if you're not following along with, that you know very well. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted. But Martha was distracted with much serving. 
And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her then to help me. Martha is pretty bold to be telling Jesus what to do. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and you are troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. As we know in this story, we have three individuals mentioned. Jesus, the Son of God, the Lord, the the King of the universe who had taken human flesh and was walking amongst men and women on earth. Then we have Martha and we have Mary. Martha, it says, is distracted. Not distracted by bad things. Not distracted by Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or the news but distracted by serving. Distracted by trying to make sure everything was just so, doing her duty, doing what she was required to do, what she understood was necessary of her. She wasn't doing a bad thing. But then we have Mary, who it says sat at the feet of Jesus. You see, these are the two options very often that we have in our life. One is a whole truth, And one is a partial and a fragmented truth. You see, one is the understanding of who is in front of us, of who lives inside of us, of who we have access to, and the other is being preoccupied and being distracted and being anxious and fearful by the things of life. We heard a message this past week by Corey Russell, and he said, it's not that being a Martha is a bad thing, but in order to be an effective Martha, first you have to be an effective Mary. Serving and working and doing what needs to be done, that's something that our culture needs much more of in today's day and age. It's something that that needs to happen. It's something that we need to instill in our children and our grandchildren, and we need to encourage our friends and our loved ones with. But if we are attempting to be Martha, getting everything done without first understanding that we have the ability to connect with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God that has made himself real living inside of us, then we are going to live partial, fragmented, incomplete lives, anxious and worried about many things instead of connecting to the truth of what God has said. We need more Marys in this time to take the time to invest first in our relationship with him and then to do what we are called to do. I thought it was good. Our four greatest enemies and the four things that will lead to fragmentation are distraction, worry, anxiety, and being troubled about many things. I also want to look here today at John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we read in verse 5 this conversation that Jesus is having with Thomas, who would be known as Doubting Thomas upon his resurrection. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know the way that you are going. How can we know the way? You know, even though this is Doubting Thomas, I think this is a pretty good question. A question that we probably often ask internally, or at least we should be asking on a more regular basis. 
Jesus has said to him, don't you know that I'm going to go before you, that I'm going to make a way for you, that I'm going to prepare a place for you, that I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you also know the way to where I'm going. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. But from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Jesus said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to take you with me. There is a promise that Jesus is making. Can I tell you again, once again today, that as much as Jesus is speaking to each one of us, he has also promised something to us. That Jesus has made a promise to each one of us in this room today, each one of us watching online, that there is a promise that he has made, that there are multiple promises that he has made. But here's the thing. Even though he has said it, we don't always know the way, do we? We don't always know to get how to get from where we are to where he's calling us to go. But where does he say that the answer lies? He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And although you have not seen the Father, if you have seen me, you have seen him. Church, in the places where we don't know and it doesn't make sense and we don't understand, there is only one place that we are called to go. To the one who is the way and the truth and the life. To the one who has promised, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. To the one that hung on the cross on our behalf to give us life and that more abundantly. The one that gave us the ability to, when we go into the baptismal tank, to understand that when we go into the water, that the old things have been left behind and we have been crucified with Christ. And that when we rise out of the water, when we rise into a new relationship with him, that we are no longer the old person that is only reliant on our own ability and our own understanding but that we have been made new in him. I am the way and the truth and the life. Guys, we can be excited about this this morning. We need to be excited about this this morning. There is no need any longer to walk in fragmented partial thinking when the promise that Jesus has made to us has also been fulfilled by his death and his resurrection. And then he doesn't leave us there. Because not only does he give himself and to give his life so that we could have a new life. But he goes on to say this in chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. An advocate. One who will stand with you to be with you forever. How long is the Holy Spirit going to be with us? forever how long is the holy spirit going to walk with us how long is he going to lead us and guide us into all truth how often do we get to go to him and for how long forever he is the one that jesus has left behind us even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you This is an incredible, incredible truth that Jesus is speaking to us. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. 
This word is so important today, church. I will not leave you as orphans, but yet so often in the body of Christ, we have walked in an orphan mentality about what we don't have, about what has not happened yet, about what we have not seen, but God is calling us to walk into sonship. He's calling us to walk into a place where we understand that it is far more about Him than it could ever be about us. That it's far more about what he has done than anything that could happen in the world. That greater is he that lives inside of us than he that lives in the world. This is the truth that we get to stand on. This is the truth that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. We are no longer orphans. I will come to you, he says, yet for a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Just listen to this again. He says, the world will see me no more, but you will see me. What is the thing that leads us into the wholeness and the fulfillment of the truth? It's when we see him, when we understand that we can see him clearly, that we can connect with him and in a strong way because of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The world may not see him anymore, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Today, we know that He has gone to the Father. We know that He has left us the Holy Spirit, and that He lives in us, that we reside in Him. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, He it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. Can I rephrase this today? He who walks in the wholeness of who I am, who fulfills what I have called him to do, he who chooses to trust in me, it is in him, it is in that individual that the love is made complete in him. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. He goes on to say in verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. Jesus has called us to a very high responsibility on this earth. He's called us to be His representation. He's called us to be the ones who love like He loved. To follow in His footsteps. To walk in the authority and the power that He has made possible to us. But in doing so, He didn't leave us on our own to try to figure it out. That in the places of our lives where we have walked in partial truth, in fragmentation, in in a place of fractured thinking, my prayer is today that we would understand that in those very places He is desiring to come in. That He has made Himself available to us. That He has paid the ultimate price so that in those moments where we don't have all the answers... In those moments where there are the blanks of our lives, instead of filling them in with our own understanding, that we can invite the Holy Spirit to come in, to lead us, and to guide us into all truth. To speak His Word into our hearts. To bring the revelation of what He has said to life in the situations that we face.
It's through Him that we have the ability to walk in wholeness, to walk in freedom, and to walk in power.